0: With the National Championship football game on the horizon, the rivalry doubleheader for hoops has been pushed back a day. Happy New Year. I'm Colter Nuanez. Montana State plays in the FCS National Title Game for the first time since 1984 in Frisco, Texas on Saturday. Because of that historic afternoon, the basketball doubleheader between Montana and Montana State originally scheduled for Saturday in Bozeman has been moved to Sunday. Lady Grizz and the Montana State women, each who got swept this past weekend, will look to bounce back with a Sunday matinee at 1 p.m. The men's teams will square off at 5 5 p.m. Sunday from Brick Breed and Fieldhouse. The North Dakota State-Montana State National Championship football game kicks off at 10 a.m. from Toyota Stadium in Frisco on Saturday. MSU also rescheduled its annual Bobcat Hall of Fame induction ceremony to be celebrated at a later date. Over the weekend, the Division I women's teams from the Treasure State hit a rough batch. Lady Grizz started the season 9-2, but they lost 68-61 at Idaho State Thursday and 66-56 at Weber State Saturday. The defending Big Sky champion Bengals of ISU beat Montana State on Saturday, two days after the Bobcats fell 68-63 at Weber State. The Montana men had an outstanding weekend, blasting Idaho State 78-54 before outlasting Weber State 74-72. Montana State lost 85-75 to Weber Thursday, but bounced back for a 60-40 win over Idaho State on Saturday. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory.
1: If you're gonna play in Texas... You gotta have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for Louisiana, man. So, rolls enough that both are faded love and let's all dance. If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. A
0: little Alabama for you, bringing you back here on a Monday. Happy New Year, everybody. And thanks so much for hanging out with us to get your 2022 underway. It was a great break. Great time away for me. And uh, so happy to be back, but also so happy to be continuing to talk football. Usually when we go to the new year, we're talking all hoops and, and uh, we're certainly gonna have a bunch of hoops coverage because big sky conference plays in full force. I went to the Grizz basketball games, both Thursday and Saturday. Also watched some of the Montana state games uh, over the weekend and, it's the Cat Grizz games on Sunday here in Missoula, as, or uh, in Bozeman, excuse me, as well. They've been rescheduled from Saturday to Sunday. And uh, all, the, all the Montana schools, they also have games on Thursday against Eastern Washington and Idaho, respectively. So we'll be hearing from all the basketball coaches this week. But this show right here, this is all football all the time. So we continue on talking both college and NFL football here on Nuanas now. You missed anything in the first hour of the show? You can find it on the podcast, which is proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana and Blackfoot Communications. This is Nuanus now, by the way. I'm I'm out of practice. I haven't been here in two weeks. But you already knew. You already know what you're listening to. But it's time now for the first Monday afternoon quarterback of 2022 with our good friend Marty Morningway. Coach, thanks so much for being here, man. How you doing? How was your holidays?
1: 2022, I'll tell you what is exciting, in it, with the college games and the NFL games. Coulter. Our holidays were awesome. I had all four kids in. All four of my kids are young, single, and can run and gun. All the flights got in. That's good. And all the flights got out. It was crazy. I had one from New York City, one from Wichita Falls, Texas, and then two drove, of course, my mother-in-law from Phoenix, and then they all got out. Uh, uh, Quite a few delays. I'm not sure there was one that was not delayed. Oh, man. Hopefully... You're getting to where you need to go <laughs> oh, on Friday.
0: Oh man, I know we're already we're already sweating it. We got we're leaving at ten thirty on Friday morning, and we got to be to Frisco by ten ten on Saturday. So it's gonna be tight. We might be buying one ways at the airport. We'll see. We'll get there. I promise you, we will figure out a way to get there. But it is fascinating considering you have kids all over the country now. So I'm glad it all went well. Christmas or New Year's Eve? Are you more into one or the other? Christmas. Yeah, you're into Christmas, man. I, me too. I,
1: I like the Christmas. There's nothing like the family, close friends on Christmas. New Year's Eve, maybe it's just me, and maybe it was growing up. Sure. I just didn't go out much no. on New Year's Eve because all of the crazies <laughs> that's right. were out there. Yeah, that's right. So I'd be watching, you know, two or three hours early. I grew up on in the West Coast, the, the New York City, dropping the, the big ball, at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. So that was my New Year's Eve, typically, and still is to some extent.
0: We're going to get into the, all the things that happened in the NFL yesterday and then throughout the last couple of weeks. But first, college football uh, is in what some people think is the greatest time of year. And uh, when it comes to the college football playoff and some of the big-time bowl games, I agree, I love it. But also, and I also love just, just having something on to watch. You know, if it's watching football is better than not watching football, for sure. But then I couldn't help but think, especially with some of these withdrawals, some of these teams opting out, some of the players opting out. There's been some pretty interesting bowl games the last couple weeks, Coach. You're talking teams that are like five and eight, five and seven in bowl games. I don't really know. What do you think of that, though? Because I mean, obviously everybody loves the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl, but is it is college football diluting itself with all these bowls right now?
1: Well, I'll tell you, Culture. I'm a little bit more old school. Back in the day, a bowl game was a great reward. For a heck of a season. And now you've got Rutgers, who was 5-7, and seven, slipping in there. And I think to qualify, you have to win six games. Well, back in the day, right. that, that wasn't that wasn't a heck of a year. A heck of no. a year was 8-9-10 wins. Right. That's right. And so you got to see less bowl games, but way better teams and, and some great, great matchups. People forget, too, that... When it used to,
0: when, before there was the FCS slash Division One AA division, there was bowl games from all for all levels of Division One and Division Two football. You're when you were at University of Montana in the early 1980s, that was sort of when it first started to change. Right. But even you guys played in a bowl game, right? Didn't you guys go to a bowl game in Japan or something? The Mirage like that? bowl Yeah, yeah that's played right. the
1: Nineteenth ranked Army team and had them on the ropes. We cut it to seven with about. Four and a half minutes left, and then it was slow death, you remember. They still are, to some extent, they were in the wishbone. And, yep. Uh, first down, second down, third down. If it was fourth and one, they went for it, and it was just slow death the rest of the way there. But, yeah, heck of a bowl game that was, the Mirage Bowl. And then, look, there were, there were uh, a bunch of six, seven, eight-win teams that just didn't go to bowls totally and that was the way it was it was a like i said it was a heck of a reward for a heck of a season and then coulter people started figuring out they could make a bunch of money on some of these bowl games with seven eight win teams then all of a sudden you get six win teams in and now you get five win teams in
0: yeah it's it's perplexing to say the least but you know, to finish that point, too, about some of the old school, I mean, like the Grizzlies, for example, they won the Camellia Bowl back in 1969 and 1970. That was when there was bowl games that included Division II teams. I believe that when Montana State won the 56 national championship, for sure, maybe even 76 as well. It was the Aluminum Bowl, I think that was what they won. Even some of the playoff games in the semifinals, like Montana State when they beat North Dakota State in 76, that was the Grantland Rice Bowl. So there's the bowls have a lot of history, and I get why people love some of them. I just don't really know what the necessity or validity of you know like the tofu sushi bowl on a Tuesday or whatever you know between these two teams from it's 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 strange it's it's definitely strange but probably the lightning rod comment of the last couple of weeks came from the guys at College Game Day from our from the mothership here at ESPN Radio and uh, Kirk Herbstreit and Desmond Howard and those guys they were kind of saying they're being a little old school and saying you know hey. I think that if you have one last chance to play with your teammates, you should. And uh, they were sort of scrutinizing these guys that are opting out. And so I don't really know where I stand on this because I think on one hand, you're only going to be a 21-year-old, 22-year-old one time. You're only going to have a chance to play with your college teammates in a bowl game once or you know, a couple times, whatever. When it's the last one, that's the last one. But on the other hand, some of these guys from big-time programs, like at Ohio State, they have multiple guys that are are surefire first-round picks. So I don't know if I would play in the bowl game if I was one of those guys, like Chris Olave, the the outstanding receiver. I mean, he's going to be top 15, top 20 pick. He's got millions of dollars riding on the line. And Ohio State's not in the college football playoff, albeit the Rose Bowl is a pretty good consolation prize. So I don't know. I think that on one hand, maybe you're sacrificing some good memories. But on the other hand, I wouldn't want to sacrifice my financial future either. So, I mean, where are we at
1: with with, with, uh, these
0: guys opting out of bowl games?
1: I'll tell you what, Coulter, I'm old school there as well. Nothing is more important than the team, and you start what you finish. However, I'm a little bit like you because some of those first guys several years ago, many years ago, really, chose to opt out. Or like Bosa. With Ohio State. Sure. He chose not to come back fully healthy from an injury right. down the stretch and right. into the playoffs. Uh, I understand that just a little bit. Uh, now, it, you can also, the school can pay for it, right. one of those insurance policies right. as well, but those insurance policies only cover up to some extent, like if you never play again, right? Rather than just a, a major injury. Uh, so, I'm. I'm. Here's what happens: You, if you're an NFL coach, the young man will get questioned on that for sure. And what his thought thought process is, and then by the time the evaluations come down the chute, everybody has sort of put that in the background as long as a young man explained himself pretty well because you want the best player, right? Right. Uh, But that other half of me is like you, Coulter, team first. Nothing comes between that team and anything else. So that – and where? here's my last point on that. Where does it stop? Let's say you're a bona fide first-round pick. And you take a bowl game off. Well, three years from now, is there going to be a man take the last three ball games because he's already got all of his film banked? He's a surefire first-round pick. All of a sudden, is a kid going to take the last half of the year off? Where right. does it end? Right, and that's it's a, a great point. And I also think that even if
0: it is a prudent decision for for your NFL future. I think that down the road, 25 years later, I think guys will look back and they'll regret it. They'll regret not having do- done it.
1: Yeah, and then the debaters, right? The debaters will come in. I was watching the football game. A really good quarterback got injured. And I don't know what the extent of the injury is. Sure. <laughs> but it looked like something happened They hurt his ankle, yeah. To, to his leg. Yep. And you're going, okay, well, that that's why. But that's... That's one in 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 several thousand probably that are going to go through that. I've seen some of these young men get hurt in their workouts leading up to the combine. That's, that's true. It's true. There's been kids get hurt in the in the uh, senior bowl and the east-west bowl and uh you know all of those bowl games leading up to the draft as well. So where does it end? And I've always been the team the team the team culture. Monday afternoon quarterback, a good friend, Marty Morningweg,
0: in studio with me, Colter Nuanas here on Nuanas Now. Uh, a message from one of our loyal listeners, a good friend, Pete. He reminds me that Montana lost the Camellia Bowls both uh, 1969 and 1970 against North Dakota State, and a big factor in that was that in those days, if you accepted a bowl invite nobody that had gone to a junior college could play in the bowl, and Montana had a lot of junior college guys back in, in that late 1960s era, so uh, interesting. Thank you, Pete, for... Uh, the uh, stat correction and the, uh, the piece of info there. Appreciate that. Last thing for you on this, you worked in the NFL for, for 25 years plus, And I'm sure it certainly had a hand in at least you know, scouting guys and who you're going to draft and who you're going to take and stuff like that. When you were scouting guys at the college level, how much of their injury history or injury, injury prevalence went into just your evaluations of them? Coaches tend to
1: evaluate the film right production and workouts right we want the very best player and then the scouts and all of our medical people you know all these players that go to the combine go through a whole full medical sure at the combine extensive yes so and sometimes they figure they
0: find stuff that me, guys didn't even know about like there was that big d tackle from michigan a couple of years ago he had a heart, heart murmur, murmur and he dropped in the in the in the draft so yeah, sometimes it's, it's very intensive physicals.
1: It is. And and so those do come into play. However, you rely on your experts, your physicians, your doctors, your trainers, and they're not always right. Yeah. I remember a great runner coming out, and our doctor said, ah, you know, a lot of arthritis in that knee, you know, maybe four or five-year career. The kid went on to play 11 years and and didn't miss a game I, right. mean, I mean it felt like so i think all these injuries different people handle them a little i think most guys probably would have been a four or five career right this young man was pretty special so yeah it does come up uh and you rely on on your medical people to kind of crystal ball some of these injuries i think it's also easy now to say with this age of overexposure
0: all these kids they know if you're a receiver at ohio state maybe not directly but secondarily you've been contacted by agents and all these different things you know exactly where you're going to get slotted you probably even know some of the teams that are interested in you before you're even part of the into the draft process so but uh, the cynic in me wants to say well well that's just ruining Uh, just the perspective for these guys. But then I harken back to like a story like Bill Kohler told me once upon a time, who's now the defensive line coach for the Denver Broncos who played at Montana State in the early 1970s. And that was when the AFL had just started and he got drafted by the Chicago Fire and they tried to hide him in a hotel room so that no one could come talk to him before the NFL draft, and then he famously becomes the first, first, and I believe actually only second ever and the first of all time first-round draft picks out of the Big Sky Conference and went on to have a great career in the NFL. has been coaching ever since. Uh, but so I guess on one hand you'd say, well, everybody knows now because of Twitter and Facebook, but that was 50 years ago. and guys they were hiding him in a hotel room, so maybe it's not any different than it ever was.
1: Those are some of the great stories, both in the NFL and especially at college when the fellows would go hide the the – the, the young men out and it, it was crazy back then some of those stories and I missed that by just probably a half a generation. Yeah. I will tell you, the underclassmen that come out, if you remember when that was first legal, most of the underclassmen were drafted fairly high. And most of them drafted and then within just two or three years, all of a sudden everybody and their mother is coming out. Right. And like half of these young men didn't even get drafted. Some had a hard time trying to get even a look right. in the camp. Right. And so it, it sort of balances itself out just a little bit. And it's what they did is they made it better. An underclassman can put his film in and have it evaluated by some of these ex-GMs mm-hmm. and ex-coaches and get a pretty good feel of where they're going to be drafted. Uh, But it doesn't always work out because things do change. And then some of their background culture comes into play, whether they move up or sometimes significantly downwards.
0: And, And that's the thing I think that people fail to realize too is that there's only 260 players that get drafted in the league each year we think of the draft so much more expansive than, like, the NBA because there's seven rounds instead of just two. But 260 players, when you have 22 positions on a football field, is not that much. And, like, for example, I think that they invite 330 guys to the Combine. So you're talking, like, 75 guys are are going to the Combine, the premier showcase, and still not even getting drafted. So uh, I do think that there's uh, a lot of ins and outs to all this. But I do think that – I mean, you would probably agree. If, if you are a hard worker that's produced at a high level – and you've kept your nose clean, regardless of anything, unless you have a completely catastrophic career-ending injury, most likely what you've done is going to speak for itself when it comes draft time.
1: Yes. However, right now, there's about 80 guys that think they're going into the first round. Right, totally. You know, and, and, and there's some reasons for that. These agents that are sort of bidding on these guys, trying to get them with their agency are telling them, I will get you into the first round and these type of things to to acquire these young men. And so uh, sometimes uh, the jaw drops when they're drafted a couple rounds later than their close friends and mothers and dads. An agent has told them. Monday afternoon quarterback, Coach Marty
0: Morningweg in studio with us here on Nuanas Now at ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. I'm Colter Nuanas Happy New Year to everybody. One last question, Coach. Today is the 15th anniversary of Nick Saban getting uh, hired at Alabama. And uh, pretty crazy the saga that Saban went through winning a national championship at LSU, diving into the NFL and having uh, it not go his way, but a lot of the things that happened were out of his control, from the Drew Brees injury to just the erosion of Dante Culpepper from an all-pro to not being able to do much of anything. But all that said, since returning to the college game, Saban has revived one of the most tradition-laden programs in the the country and turned them into the juggernaut that everybody thought that they maybe could be again, but maybe now at an even higher level. Alabama will play for its seventh national championship since 2009, which is unbelievable to really think about. But then you think about this level of football that we, we love so much here at the Big Sky and FCS levels. and Here North Dakota State is, and they're gunning for their ninth championship in the last 10 years. I mean, it's automatic. Book it. NDSU is playing for the title, and chances are they're winning the title. My question for you, though, is that a, is that a good thing for college football, the, the fact that there are these two unbelievable, unbreakable dynasties that are dominating the entire Division One landscape?
1: I personally think it's a great thing for many reasons. First of all, there are many things that are outside of your control in the NFL as a head football coach. In college, there's less, much less things that are out of your control. So I do know this. There are some coaches that are built to coach in the NFL. Others are built to coach in college. A very select few can do both, like the great Jimmy Johnson, among a select few others. And then the dynasty part. Alabama and North Dakota State have done things better than anybody else right. and way more consistent so everything you get in athletics you earn it so they have earned it now here's the challenge for about half a decade it should have been and and probably is how do we knock Alabama off that's right how do we knock North Dakota state off and that that's your whole plan. Your whole plan of building a program is that. It is. And Georgia is chasing them. And look, They're and look,
0: on their heels. And look at the title games. Montana State was built in the image of North Dakota State. That's how Jeff Choate, the previous coach, wanted to build it. And then they went out and hired a former North Dakota State coach to coach him. And now he's got him in the national championship. It's the exact same thing with Georgia. Kirby Smart, coach for Saban. They are built in the image of Alabama. And so you're right. I mean, don't, the, everybody that's been chasing, the teams that have had the most success trying to chase, basically have just copied
1: what Alabama and North Dakota State have done. Great point, however, in the NFL. The greatest coach living, Bill Belichick right. probably, many of his assistants right. have gone on and stumbled, and some stumbled badly. That's true. Because there's... So many things that are out of your control in the NFL as a head coach. Bill Belichick, he's responsible for both personnel, the whole operation, as well as the football schemes. Other coaches aren't as involved in the personnel and how the whole operation is run. And those things go a long, long way. Monday afternoon quarterback
0: here on is Now. It's presented in part by Alpine Touch. Tailgating season continues because it's college football season still. I know you got some meat to spice up, whether it's the FBS or FCS national championship games. You're going to want some Alpine Touch, Montana special spice. We got some for you. Call number three. Call us right now 406 888 1029. That's 888 1029. We'll have a Grand Slam package from Alpine Touch shipped straight to your doorstep. So give us a call right now. Call number 3, 1029 We will dive into the NFL. You talk about things that are in your control. How about a guy taking off his shirt and his pads in the middle of a football game? Never seen anything like this in my life. Don't think we'll ever see anything like it again. Antonio Brown saga playoff clinchers and uh, remaining contenders and more. Here on Nuana's Now. Keep it right here. Monday afternoon, quarterback ESPN Radio. One of our uh, discussion points uh, during break was, you'll see a concert by anybody. Who would it be? And, uh, you know, I I gave some of my obvious answers. I'd love to see Metallica before they were all said and done. I'd love to see a little Elton John before he stopped tour. Maybe the Eagles, if they ever got back together. I'm definitely going to go to Santana here in April. But probably the most unlikely answer I surprised everybody at the party with was, I'd love to see me some Vince Gill, man. I love Vince Gill. The Prairie League into Vince Gill, I mean... Great songwriter, great voice, and uh, if he ever came around, I would definitely pony up and go see some Vince Gill in action. It's now ESPN Radio, continuation of the Monday afternoon quarterback. You know, if we're listening to country music on a Monday, it's because our good friend, Marty Morningweg, is in studio, longtime NFL coach, former University of Montana quarterback. Coach, if you could go see anybody, who would it be?
1: Elvis. Oh, that's a that's a great one. Elvis lives. You know, I I, I always thought, I growing up, I I kind of liked Elvis probably because mom and dad liked Elvis. Sure. Right. And I was a sophomore in high school, and we were in training camp when Elvis passed away. Oh or man. Apparently passed yeah. away. Right. 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 And I said, "Doggone it!" I always thought I'd just head down to Vegas when I got a little older and, sure. and catch a show from him uh, other than that it would be a man that I've seen many times Willie Nelson oh yeah he starts he's back in the day now he would start every concert off with whiskey River yeah and then he would end about four hours later with whiskey river so we had a blast going to see him uh down in the green in watsonville really down yeah. down by the ocean uh when i was in high school uh pretty much every year we'd try to get some and it was crazy now i mean crazy there were, there were 30 40,000 people there and you know some of the things i saw i learned it quite a little bit oh absolutely there, you know in watsonville when i was you know 15 16 17 years old well it's funny retrospectively the second concert I ever went to in my whole life, when I was
0: I was probably ten, maybe eleven years old, is not old at all. I went with my parents to Willie Nelson when he came to Missoula. Bingo! I had no, I have no, I had no appreciation for it though, because I was in fourth grade. You know, I would love to see that now. The only thing I remember from that concert was a couple women threw some undergarments up on the stage, <laughs> and I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't get what was happening because I was you know ten years old. But I would love to see Willie uh, if he came back around. Speaking of Elvis, though over the holiday break I think myself and, and almost everybody that likes the NFL at least knew about if not watched the all Madden documentary that played on Christmas Day on Fox and unfortunately John Madden an icon uh, among icons in the NFL passed away just a couple days after that came out uh, but what a life I mean he's 86 years old he's you know he's among if not the most impactful people in terms of teaching the game to the to the masses as anybody in in NFL history but I thought Roger Goodell in that film had a great line he said Elvis Presley is the rock and roll what John Madden is to the NFL John Madden is the king he brought it to the masses and uh you know from the fact that Madden stepped away at such a young age when he's 42 as a coach but then wanted to define himself as a coach in this commentator role for another 40 years it's amazing. So you were in the NFL for for 25
1: plus years. Did you ever cross paths with coach Madden? Did you ever did you ever get to know him or talk to him or anything? Well, I absolutely crossed paths with him, you know, when I was coordinating for the San Francisco 49ers. I lived in Pleasanton, California. Uh-huh. And by that time, John Madden had owned half of Pleasanton. Uh, it was sort of farmland and sort of was getting developed at the time. Uh, and so that's where he lived and we crossed paths several Several different times, he was so young as a head coach in the NFL for sure. And then, and then won a world's championship, and stepped away and went into the broadcasting booth. And it was he just did it seamlessly, and I still remember, boom. That's right. And I mean, you enjoyed listening to him, and then the Madden game. Right, of course. I mean, it kept it going and going. And I was in the NFL for, I believe, 26 years. I might have to go recount that. And John Madden was, uh, you know, on every committee still. Sure. He was on every committee. So back behind the scenes, John Madden was still running to some extent some of the things that went on in the NFL. Absolutely. And I think that Madden taught, the game of
0: Madden taught so many Kids at a young age, just basic concepts of football. I mean, I learned what a cover three was, what a cover two was, what you know, two-man deep, what a high safety is, all that stuff. Just from, you know, you pick the play. And those ori- the original Madden games, they weren't that complex. You know, you didn't have very many blitzes, but it taught you the basic concepts of offense and defense, what a stretch play is, what a gap scheme is. And I think that the, the, the influence he had on young people is just indelible. I think he taught millions of people, more about the game of football than they ever would have known otherwise.
1: Yeah, the, 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 the man did much for football, period. Young, middle-aged, and old.
0: Yeah.
1: The, one of the
0: great articles, I think, ever written in Sports Illustrated is called The Busman's Holiday. It's by Peter King. It was written in the late 1980s. Peter King, one of the, the foremost writers uh, of the NFL for years and years and years of sports illustrated and now actually in fact the monday morning quarterback where we sort of parlayed the name of this monday afternoon quarterback segment from but peter king rode the bus john madden famously was scared of planes and he never rode a plane from 1982 on he rode the bus across the country all the time and uh peter king rode the bus with him one time and that story i rewrote it over the break and uh what an awesome story, man. I think that it's not even just about the funny stuff that John Madden says or like his quirky routines or anything like that. His perspective is so great from in that story. He talks about how when you live in a city and there's all this hustle and bustle and all this stuff, it's easy to think, man, doomsday's coming, the world's ending. But he's like, then he ride a bus across America, you realize... There's all sorts of open space, and guess what? Most people are really nice. You can go anywhere and have a nice meal, and people will be nice to you, and they'll talk to you, and they, you know, all that stuff. So, I thought it was great perspective, especially for the, these times that we live in now, and, and very cool uh, to, to reread that retrospectively. So, uh, rest in peace uh, to John Madden. Definitely a, a a if not one of the most impactful guys uh, in NFL history. Coach, let's talk about some of the stuff that happened. Over the weekend, first of all, the most unforgettable scene yesterday, it's one that wants to make you chuckle, but then you kind of think, what's actually going on? Uh, Antonio Brown left the field without his shirt on, without his pads on, without his helmet on, and uh, then he's taking a, uh, he, he's got an Uber ready for him to, to leave the stadium, he's dropping music videos, this is just the continuation of a saga. Which is, uh, at the same time, sort of hilarious if you don't take it too seriously. But it's actually a serious situation because there's obviously something going on with this guy. He's definitely not right in the head. But i never see anything like that. In an NFL game, the guy, is, you know, usually the streaker is the drunk guy, you know, from the, from the stands. <laughs> not the former all-pro
1: wide receiver. Help. <laughs> That's exactly right. H-E-L-P. When something like that occurs, and I've been around a few things. Okay. Uh-oh, what's happening here, and you immediately go to, like, Tom Brady. All right. Right. How do we sort of make this thing better or help this young man, right? Something happened there. Something's going on. I don't think it's a big secret. Some things have been going on for quite some time, but it's it, it looks to me like H-E-L-P now. And so... Uh, You know, you asked me on the break if I've ever seen anything like it. I've seen some things close to it, but I've had some stories of some coaches who were there in college at a practice where some of this type of things happened. And uh, even back then, even 20 years ago, common sense tells you, okay, time out here. What's happening with this young man? And let's, let's get some help. Well, Bruce Arians... He buried this thing right away because he basically cut him at the postgame
0: press conference and said he doesn't play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers anymore. But then he also was asked today if he regrets signing him, and he said, no, I don't, and uh, I hope he gets the help he needs. But there's been a lot of enigmatic and and sort of uh, controversial personalities throughout the years in the NFL, particularly guys that play wide receiver. I don't know why (laughs) it is the wide receivers that seem to always be, you know, kind of the kooky ones, but – What's your perspective on taking high-risk guys? Because I do think if you have Tom Brady on your team and Tom Brady says, I want this guy, you probably go get him and then just let it play itself out no matter however it does. But on the other hand, sometimes guys like this can be a giant distraction if you don't have the right locker room, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly correct. A couple things come into my mind, Coulter. Where would any of us be, or at least most of us be, without second or third chances? Right. Now, there's a line, right? There's a line that you can't cross to get a second or third or even fourth chance, but where would we all be without those uh, second or third or even four chances? That's first. Second, I know that they had a deal worked out with them. Look it. You cross the line. My line, you know, is like go. one time you're gone. And he sort of did that with the fake vaccination type thing. Right. I don't know the details there. So suspended for three weeks if I remember right. And then, and then all right. One more time, and something happened, probably verbally on the sideline, that tricked is is you know, and then and then all of a sudden the, the naked thing happened, and so H E L P N O W. That's that's exactly right. Monday
0: afternoon, quarterback, Monday morning, wagon in studio with me, Coulter Nuanez, going through all of what happened this last weekend in the NFL. Who clinched? Who got eliminated? Who remains alive? We'll go through all the playoff scenarios next. Keep it right here at ESPN Radio. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, fiber deployments, and community events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure Internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news.
1: This is Nuanez Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula.
0: Welcome back. Happy Monday, everybody. Nuwana's now ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. The Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty continues. Marty Boardingwig, longtime NFL coach, former Grizz quarterback in studio with me, Coulter Nuwana. hope everybody's having a happy new year. One piece of breaking news outside of the world of football. This just went down. The Montana-Montana uh, State basketball doubleheader had been moved from Saturday to Sunday because the Bobcats play in the FCS National Championship on Saturday. Well, now, at least on the women's side, no games this week. The MSU women's basketball games scheduled for Thursday against Idaho and Sunday against Montana have been postponed due to COVID nineteen protocols. This is from Parker Cotton of the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. So um, that's uh, that's incredibly unfortunate. Very very unfortunate that that's the case, but uh, it is what it is. More on the NFL though. Let's talk about some of the teams that sewed it up. The here's where we're at. We had a lot of clinches over the weekend. The Green Bay Packers clinched the NFC North. Cincinnati Bengals clinched the AFC North. Tennessee Titans are the champions of the AFC South. The Kansas City Chiefs are the winners of the AFC West despite winning what was a crazy game, or losing, excuse me, a crazy game to those Bengals. Dallas has sewed up the AFC East and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after Antonio Brown got naked, figured out a way to win the game, and uh, they sewed up the NFC South. So those are your six division winners. That means... Uh, For those counting at home, the AFC West uh, remains uh, up for grabs, as does the, I guess, the AFC West and the NFC West remain up for grabs. No, excuse me, the Chiefs have clinched the AFC West. But still two divisions remain open. The other teams that have clinched playoffs, oh, excuse me, the AFC East, the Bills and the Patriots are still in contention for the AFC East. And uh, both New England, Philadelphia, the Los Angeles Rams, and the Cardinals have all, Arizona Cardinals have all clinched spots as well. Teams that have already been eliminated, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Browns, the Texans, the Jaguars, the Broncos, the Washington football team, the New York Giants, the Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions, Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, and Seattle Seahawks. And the teams that are still alive that have not clinched anything include the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers, who play each other on Sunday, Indianapolis, who dropped one uh, To the Raiders, which was sort of a heartbreaker, that keeps the Raiders back in it. The Chargers and the Raiders are both alive, and they play on Sunday Night Football. And then you also have the Saints and the 49ers. So, Coach, we have about five, five and a half minutes left here. But I got a couple broad questions for you about this time of year. First of all, this is the first year that the NFL has played an 18-week season. What do you think of that? I like it. Yeah.
1: Up to date. Right. I mean, there are some winning, you get in uh type of scenarios I thought it was an exciting year uh I don't know of any negatives do you Coulter on a, maybe maybe just player health but I guess it's the NFL so like you have a chance
0: of getting hurt every time from training camp in March to now right I mean every yeah. time you play football you have a chance to get hurt so
1: and then guys were out with the COVID thing uh you you know I think some of the better teams learned to sort of Deal with that and overcome injuries and the COVID thing. You know, the one thing that clicks in my mind. I remember after week one, we were talking about the Green Bay Packers and their great quarterback and the drama. Well, they've clinched and they probably get the number one seed, and then and then the great Kansas City Chiefs ball club. Right. They were three and four at some point. That, we talked about right. them, and we both said, "Look, they're not going anywhere. That's right. There will be no surprise." when they're deep in the playoffs. Well, what do you think of that element of
0: it when it comes to the Green Bay Packers? Because Green Bay clinched their third straight 13-win season. That's the first time that's ever happened in NFL history. That's amazing. 13 wins three years in a row. I mean, most players, coaches would— I mean, you probably had a 13-win season or two in your career, right? But those are
1: unforgettable seasons when you go 13-3, and right? Yeah, and, you know, I, I think the longest winning streak was 11, I believe. right. And then uh, we had 1-10 in 10 to win the Super Bowl. But, uh, yeah, those were great, great years. How, what, how consistent is that? And it goes, I'm telling you, it goes back to the quarterback. Yeah. You look at the quarterbacks for some of these teams. Green Bay, Cincy, a great young quarterback. Uh, he's lights out, man. Joe Burrow, is you looked like coming of age yesterday. He's, like they're one of the best players in the league. He's taken a bad to mediocre team. Now, they've built that team up. For they sure. built it up. But he, he got them over the hump. Well, and that's a tough division to win, too. I mean, you're winning yeah. that. I
0: mean, they were the team that I think most of the experts, quote-unquote, had last in that division, and they win it. Yeah. Not the Browns, not the Steelers, not the Ravens. So that, that's a great job by both Zach Taylor and and by Joe Burrow in and, that and, and offense.
1: Yeah, and you got quarterbacks with the Chiefs, with the Cowboys, the great Tom Brady with the Buccaneers. I mean, these are great quarterbacks. For sure. Right? The Tennessee quarterback, I think, is pretty good. But they've got that running game and defense. That's right. To go to go with that ball club. Well, you
0: also you uh your last stint in the NFL was with the Philadelphia Eagles, and you were a big advocate for Jalen Hurts. You yes. thought he could really play. Kid out of Oklahoma won the Heisman. And uh there was a lot of you know, some people thought so, some people thought not. They didn't think he was gonna translate to the NFL game. I think that's one of the greatest undertold stories in the league this year. Is the Philadelphia
1: Eagles are in the playoffs while riding Jalen Hurts all the way to the playoffs. Yeah, really. That was that was what I did was train the rookie quarterback and uh, you know, in part he was—he's there because of my evaluation as well. Uh, I just thought he was built the right way. Now, when we drafted him, I thought it might be year three. Sure. Right? He hit it big in year two. He, in fact, I texted him. Uh, what well, it must have been yesterday. Yeah. Congratulations, and then in capital letters on leading your team to the playoffs because. That's a congratulatory type of situation. You are a young quarterback in the NFL and you lead your team into the playoffs and I put your season has just started. And so now it's a whole new season. It is a tournament. You win and you keep moving on to
0: the Super Bowl. About one minute left here on the Monday Afternoon Quarterback with Coach Marty, Marty Morning Wagon Studio with us. Thanks to Brett's RV and Marine for being the proud sponsor of the Monday Afternoon Quarterback big games on the horizon. Dallas at Philly, that's got playoff implications. Pittsburgh at Baltimore is a playoff game basically. Win you're in, lose you're out. And uh same thing with the Los Angeles Chargers against the Las Vegas Raiders. So some big games on the horizon. We can't wait to recap all of those for you. Mr. thing in the show today, whether it was the Montana Football Hour or the Monday Afternoon Quarterback, it's all available on the Nuana's Now podcast, proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and Sports Bet Montana. Whole bunch of n- Great guests coming up for you throughout the rest of the week. Brooks Nuana's Skyline Sports going to swing by. Sam Herder from Hero Sports. Matt Entz, the head coach of North Dakota State. Brent Vegan, the head coach of Montana State. Also can hear from MSU players: Troy Anderson, Tommy Malott, Lance McCutcheon, and Daniel Hardy. And uh, we'll get some basketball coverage going too. Although, might get derailed now that women's games uh, not on the docket. So we'll see. But uh, maybe maybe some upcoming. Women's basketball, will certainly some upcoming men's basketball as well. Coach, thanks for
1: being here, man. Appreciate you, and I love hanging out with you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody out there, Coulter. Travel safe to Texas. Stay out of the pool halls. Have a great time. I can't say it, but I'm kind of rooting for the fellows from the state of Montana. Hey, that's
0: okay. It's okay to be there. We'll be back with you at 4 o'clock tomorrow. See you then.